Do you think really that having the company like make us free? God no. I don't think so. <laughs> God. To be honest. Uh, see, that's the dream that everybody has when they're starting off, which is I'm going to make a company, I'm going to work, and I'm going to be free. But what they don't tell you is that you have to struggle, and that you're kind of the only person responsible for everything when things start going south. You had 50 people. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty big. <laughs> it, it is very big. How do you stay open to feedback and continuously improve your business? Being humble and not being kind of way too deep into your own stuff is a very important personality trait to have. The worst situation is if you have your product and you show it to the world and the people that want to buy your product give you feedback and you say, ah, I, don't, I don't think that's good. I think what I'm doing is more important than uh, what my customers want. Hi everyone, welcome with me into Humans Behind the Business Podcast. I'm Anna and today I have, again, a very special guest. Tom, actually I don't know his family's name because he, he didn't share this information with me. I'm very glad to have him. He's a very small person, entrepreneur, and also a very courageous person. He's traveling around the world. <laughs> He's traveling around the world to find his peace of mind. Let's say hello. Welcome to Tom. Hi, Tom. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me, Hannah. Pleasure to be here, and it is an honor. Um, I'm actually, um, I'm pleased to have you today. With me, I will let you present yourself uh, the, in the way you like or you prefer. Let me work backwards. So where I am right now, kind of at a point in my life where I'm trying to find out exactly who I want to be, what I want to do, where I want to be, who I want to be around, and the things that I essentially want to experience in life. It's been a long journey in order for me to get here. And I guess we can start from the business side of things because that's kind of where I generally lean towards throughout my life. Ever since I was young, uh, I always had something of an entrepreneurial spirit. I think back when I was about either 10 or 11 years old, uh, I was either finding things around the house to try and sell on eBay. Uh, I actually was one of the, for your listeners, I'm not sure if they play a whole lot of MMOs or online games. I used to be an early gold farmer. So I would be trying to make money within the game so I could take it and then sell it on eBay for money. Back when I was like 11 years old, it was a fun thing to do. Uh, it gave me a good way to pass my time, but it was also kind of a, the start of the, the mindset that I had over the course of the rest of my life. Mm, all throughout my teenage years, I was doing various things here and there. Nothing that I would say was super successful, uh, but one of the things that I continued to do from high school all the way into my early adulthood, for whatever reason, I liked uh, buying and selling clothes. Uh, it started off with just kind of uh, regular clothes that you could find, uh, but then I slowly graduated to more expensive clothes just because I found it easier to buy them cheaper and sell them for more. I actually used to buy them for cheap, wear them for a while, and then sell them for more, still <laughs> used. Uh, and that's kind of how I got by with my wardrobe. Double earning, you know. <laughs> it, it made sense to me. Um, yeah. Because, uh, you know, I got to wear nice clothes that I always wanted to wear, and then I got to make some money at the end of it. I did that for a long time to the point where I actually thought about starting like a store, either a consignment store or something online. And this was back in, I would say maybe like 2010. The internet was a different place back then. It was still accessible, but not nearly like it is nowadays. Uh, I was always involved in tech to some degree, to a very little degree, and I always wanted we to We will be... come back to all of this in a lot of details. My first question actually is really traditional. I ask the same question to all my guests, and it's... Um... 
Actually, very easy transfer. <laughs> it's why did you accept my imitation, Tom? Mm. Well, okay. So I'd seen your podcast before. I think that you'd interviewed a few people. Uh, I'd watched uh, when we spoke. I only watched a, a little bit of your podcast at that point. Uh, you seem to have an interesting way of talking with people, which is uh, fairly straightforward, uh, fairly comfortable, fairly open. And me being, I would say, the somewhat introverted and uncomfortable person that I am, even though it may not seem that way, I'm like, you know what? It seems like a good opportunity. Let's see if we can. Uh, let's see if we can make yes. something happen. Anyway, I'm. Um, I thank you very much sir, for this uh, for this time you are uh, giving to me and to our audition. I uh, really enjoy to talk as well to open people that really want to share their stories, to teach people, to share with them. Anyway, thank you, thank you. Let's go back to what did you do in life? Actually, you you defined life as experience, mm-hmm. and um, I'm really interested in this definition because. Usually, I have like I'm, I feel in with my guests or in my life or with my like in different interaction that life is kind of challenge for people. But you define it an experience, and I think like it's very very interesting. Why like you are more interested in the uh, in- entrepreneurship experience in life and not, for example, being a artist or musician mm. or like footballer or something like that entrepreneurship kind of made the most sense to me because i'm not a creative person i always at least told myself that i can't draw or can't really make music and then i'm not creative so that either i am not or i suppressed that mentality in me to the point that it drove me in the direction of entrepreneurship and tech um in terms of why i chose to be an entrepreneur i coming back to my childhood We never really had a whole lot of money growing up. It was kind of the, uh, we weren't poor, but we were pretty close to poor a few different times. And I always wanted to have some level of comfort within myself, even when I was like a teenager. I wanted to have some level of mm. comfort in knowing that I wouldn't accidentally fall into the pit of money problems that we've experienced before. Uh, and I think that kind of drove me through a lot of my life where I'm running away from the fear of failure. And the fear of failure often represents itself as not having any money and not being able to pay the bills. We share the same point, actually. I think like it's one of the most uncomfortable things is not to be able to pay the bills. It's interesting because like some this the same the same thing like sometimes push people to to be to start being an employee. Mm-hmm. And it's very good to be an employee anyway, and to 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 like to try to stay the the whole life like in this comfort zone and to be always able to pay those bills mm-hmm. and those like limited um, comfort uh, comfort life comfortable life it's very interesting and but when we say that we were like kind of poor or we are poor or whatever it's like being an entrepreneur needs actually kind of a little bit of money mm. experience and the mindset mm. For example, like uh, Elon Musk, even if we say like uh, he he started from zero, he never like it's not true because his parents like been in entrepreneurship. Yeah, and he had he he has or he had this mindset. But how can you like get this while uh, your parents didn't? So I do agree that having some sort of money is a really 
and often cases it's a really necessary start in order for you to be able to uh, let me backpedal there are going to be many months and sometimes many years where you're not making any money and having some kind of money on the side helps you get through that period of time there's a lot of stories of people that are able to start up a business and within a couple months they're able to make money that's fantastic and more power to them uh, those are those are the, the the star stories that you love to hear about but the ones that you don't hear about are the ones that do something for one or two years they quit their job because they want to start a business they struggle for a year they don't make any money they spend money it's even worse if they have a family because that gets very expensive but yeah. it's hard to start something and have it work for you immediately so having money gives you that buffer where you can live relatively comfortably but relatively cheaply and be able to bankroll yourself until the point where things slowly start to take off and like most people see within like even our, our community on twitter when when they start catching then things really start to take off and everybody's waiting for that moment when when you start getting the uptick how do, did you do it you personally yeah okay so uh i can boil my much of my life and where i am right now probably down to about three different distinct points which all coincide with the starts of each three of my businesses uh when i was 23 years old 23 24 i don't know roughly 10 years ago i was just starting to get into development I was making, well, I was learning how to make uh, games in Unity with C Sharp. That didn't really take off, and I wasn't really good at it, but for whatever reason, I ended up pivoting into making mobile apps. I've always been something of a learner. Uh, I always wanted to learn. So the thing that made the most sense to me was to make something that's sort of in the educational space. Over the course of, I think it was like three or four months, I ended up putting together a whole bunch of apps, which were honestly kind of copy and paste of each other but they had different topics ranging from things like um, personal health fitness finance things like that uh, which just served as some sort of educational material for anybody that wanted to use them. the thing is at that time we were actually going through one of the worst financial periods of our life uh, we only had a couple months left in terms of paying our mortgage paying our mortgage uh, everything that we had in the bank and we were starting to run dry as i was deciding not to work a regular job like a normal person uh i was doubling down on my app development and everything just kind of started to coincide at the right time where like i said i was starting to make a tiny tiny bit of money surprisingly really quickly and that was just barely enough to kind of keep me afloat past this one little dip in our financial life and that was essentially the start of it the other two points in my life are Uh, surprisingly similar to that it's a place where i don't frankly want to be again uh to be in the part where i'm like oh crap i need money what do i do now but it's somewhere that i've kind of caught myself in over the course of my life but that's also kind of been i guess the main motivator that got me out of it too but you you as an entrepreneur i know like it's could be very complicated to go back to do like a day job for someone mm. uh, like to be an employee or like developer freelancer or whatever did you think about that like at some point yeah okay so good question the only actual proper like you know full-time regular job that i've worked was when i was 18 and 19. uh i worked for one month in a kitchen as a fry cook i worked for about a year and a half at a call center uh, and then after that i decided 
I didn't decide to be risky with my life, but I decided to make risky decisions with my life, which involved me focusing on myself and building the things that I wanted to. I had the mentality of, I want to make it on my own. I want to work for myself. I want to start a company and I want to be completely free of all of these things. Uh, 10 years later, I've only now sort of come to understand that there's nothing fundamentally wrong with that. I have no qualms of going back and working at a job, so to speak. I have no problems of working with people because I do see that as not just a comfort thing, not just a job security thing. It is an experiential thing. Uh, it does, it, is an it does open up a lot of different pathways to the different people, uh, different interests, uh, different things you can learn fundamentally. Yeah. But like I have, I have like, for me, it is an important question. Actually, you, you said like two words, company and uh, freedom. Mm. Do you think really that having the company like make us free? God, no. I don't think so, <laughs> God, to be honest. No. Uh, see, that's the dream that everybody has when they're starting off, which is I'm going to make a company, I'm going to work, and I'm going to be free. But what they don't tell you is that you have to struggle and that you're kind of the only person responsible for everything when things start going south you bear the responsibility of everything that is on your shoulders. If you're a company of multiple people, you bear the responsibility of multiple people as well. It's a nice thing. It's kind of empowering in terms of you have control of the direction of your life, but it's also scary because there's a lot involved with that. Yeah. I, I think I think it's very complicated. I think like to be free you need passive income. Yeah. Yeah. This is like another subject. I would go back to this uh this uh company building did you have like uh, for example that like at the time more than 10 employees in your startup for the first thing that i did like the the building the apps which i did for about three years and that got me by for roughly three years that was just me going solo for the next thing that i did was which was with another partner of mine uh we were doing web development and SaaS, well SaaS web development did that for a couple of years but it was also just me and my uh, co-founder but my last biggest claim to fame, I guess you could say, uh, was roughly about six years ago. It was me and a co-founder. He was the business side. I was the tech side. We got together. We ended up building product sourcing, e-commerce marketplace, built it up to roughly about 50 people, of which over the course of time, that experience taught me by far the most. You had 50 per people? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty big. <laughs> it is pretty big, and um, I'm I'm interested actually to, to know something. It's like about hiring, and I think like one of the pain points of like new uh, startups is hiring. We had actually a small technical issue, and uh, I will go back to my question. I was talking about hiring in startups, and uh, Tom shared with us that he was on the top of uh, 50 people uh, startup and now we would ask him how he could actually uh, attract good profiles and how can 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 he be um, trusty people in their eyes so good question hiring was always a hot topic for us in terms of in terms of attracting the talent in the first place it's going to sound kind of cliche but it's it's sort of important uh being able to speak about your company values and being able to talk frankly about the things that you do so people have a good expectation of what they would have coming into the company. If you, for example, say you have ping pong tournaments on Friday, you better have ping pong tournaments on Friday. Uh, if you say that you have um, obviously like insurance and benefits and things like that, those are important for people just at a baseline for anybody looking at uh, 
but to get any of your postings. But the thing that we did, uh, the, the thing that I think we did the best was our ability to, I, I, had a, I had a small team that I took care of. I tried to take care of as best as I could. I tried to have, I tried to make everybody as happy as I could. And with that, my hopes was that they would spread the good word and we would be able to find uh, nice talent through networks that they have as well as uh, any other channels that we have. For example, HR, we did have a few different recruiters working with us, but one of the things that I banked on more so was I find the good people to work with and I know, I trust that the good people that I work with know good people to work with, either people they've worked with in the past uh, mm. or people that they know. And much of the people that came onto our team, much of the people that joined my engineering team at least, a lot of it was through referrals, uh, through either friends or past colleagues. and. In terms of understanding the person, obviously they get somebody in the door, but understanding somebody and understanding how they're going to fit with the dynamic of the team, that's a significantly harder, harder topic. We had, I would say, a fairly rigorous interview process, which, of which I changed many times over the course of years. But what I ended up honing in on, obviously there's a very important uh, technical component, understanding if somebody can just do the baseline of the job. But even if somebody can do the job, you don't just want somebody that can do the job. You want a, pe a person that's personable, somebody you can get along with, somebody that you can see working with for eight hours, sometimes 10 hours, sometimes 12. It depends on the day. Uh, and that comes through a lot in not just the way that people communicate, uh, but it's also the way that they talk about their own past experiences. And what I mean by that is I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm a person that spent a lot of time analyzing people and kind of understanding to some degree, what they mean beyond just the words that they say. And a lot of that came into play when I'm interviewing. Uh, I try and dig deep and understand uh, not just experience that you have related to work, but I also want to understand your personal experiences. I do want to understand your views on life in general. I want to understand your views on work. I want to understand your views on people because that all comes into play when we have, well, I had a, at, at the peak, I had a nine person engineering team, which wasn't that big for a 50 person company, but we all got along very well. Everybody was on the same page. Everybody was very uh, synergistic with everybody else. And I felt like a lot of that was because we put a lot of effort into picking out the people behind the skills. Actually, before going really deep in this project and what happened, how did you start it and how it finished, uh, uh, you said something, I, I feel it's very interesting. You said like, I took care of the the first people we had mm. what, do, what do you mean but you did you take you take care about you took care about them i would say that early on in my career and even before i was uh, a part of the startup i had the mentality that managers were people that were mostly there to manage the work uh you are say for example an individual contributor you have a manager and there's a very specific professional relationship between you two with that, I feel like there's a lot lost in terms of, I guess, likability between the two parties. I had a different way of managing. Uh, I think there are a lot of managers that are like me, but I tend to take more of an interest in my people within the team. I want to know what's going on in their lives. I want them to be happy in their lives. I'm not the kind of person that says, uh, hey, you have a job to do. If you have personal issues, leave it at the door. That's just not how I operate. Uh, but with that, it's not like I'm super buddy-buddy with everybody on my team because you kind of need to have that separation between the manager and 
the rest of the team. But I felt like it was very important to have those personal relationships. Otherwise, you lose a lot of trust. You lose a lot. You don't lose it, but you don't. Be, you're not able to build the same level of trust or intercommunication, and even just a feeling of being comfortable in your job. If you have a manager that's always looking over you and watching you as you do things, and pretty much only ever talks to you about work and why you're not doing more work, that's not nice. I wanted to be the. I guess this is kind of my philosophy throughout a lot of life. I want to be the person that helps you. Succeed. I don't want to be the person that cracks the whip. I don't know if we can call this management. It's like more leadership, if we could say. Yeah, I suppose so. I think <laughs> I had a lot of managers in my life, and uh, I can tell you that they don't want to know what happened, what's happening <laughs> after the door. <laughs> it's 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 not this top. <laughs> this is not management. <laughs> See, there lies the problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think there is like a, a problem because people, I think it's about insecurities. Every manager have mm. or has have I think, his uh, insecurities and you um, can just see them in in how they work. And uh, it depends actually on the on the people. People are different and managers are different. Mm. But leadership are very like rare, you can say. Let's go to the startup. Now, I really want to, to know how likely you get the first idea, what was the idea, and uh, how like did you reach uh, 50, 50 employees? The, okay, so the idea technically didn't come from me. It came from my, my co-founder, uh, who was on the business side of things. I had, been in, I had been familiar and in the e-commerce space for, I guess, since my teenage years. I'm mostly from the seller's perspective, buying and selling things. Uh, when I met up with him for the first time, uh, when we had the monumental handshake and everything happened, uh, he pitched me the idea of he wanted to build a platform that can help connect buyers and sellers from around the world, help them find whatever products they want to sell. And I'm like, huh, I like e-commerce. <laughs> but <laughs> Again. I, I'm like, I, I don't have a whole lot of money. This job is not going to pay a whole lot. But what do I do? I had a lot of concerns going into this because I didn't really know the guy. I, I knew him as a referral through a friend of mine who actually worked with my co-founder. But at the time, it was an idea that wasn't really making any, well, no, it wasn't making any money. Um, there was not much of a product behind it. And it was kind of a gamble. But for whatever reason, my brain said yes when, no, actually, no, my brain said no, but my gut said yes. So I went for it shook hands with him uh, at this cute little coffee shop in downtown Vancouver. And that seemed to kick off this whole long journey of mine for the next five years afterward. Uh, what was the name of your project? Ah, Spocket. Spocket. Uh, so for anybody that uses Shopify, uh, for I guess the period of I think 20, I think it was about 2019 to about 2021, we were one of Shopify's uh, top product sourcing apps. Over the course of time, uh, what with COVID and what with the dynamic of e-commerce changing, there's been a whole lot of competitors that have come into the space and things have been a little bit... But uh, let's go like slowly. How did you like take the, the, this idea from idea to a real project? Because like you need money, you need uh, salespeople, you need developers, you need engineers, like you need uh, a lot of things. For a while, the team was me my co-founder and one other engineer uh we didn't have a sales team that was my co-founder's job and i was manning the tech side of things 
uh, we built a very small proof of concept, which wasn't even what we ended up using. We, I mean, this is a conversation for later. We pivoted a couple times, uh, not to the serious degree that we changed the entirety of our business, but we significantly changed the approach that we were taking. I think within the first year or so, that was by far the most tumultuous period because it's like, we're really not making money and we don't quite know how to make money. We see this opportunity and we have, uh, we're, on, we're on the Shopify app store. We're slowly, ever so slowly climbing the ranks. We get a couple more users every day. Uh, but it wasn't a whole lot of progress. The the thing that really helped us, though, and thinking back on it, we going into we, so we applied for Y Combinator and TechStars back in 2017 when we really didn't have much of a product. We didn't have pretty much any revenue. Uh, we had a very very tiny bit. Uh, we had a handful of users and we had a semi-functional product. So we applied to Y Combinator and TechStars. <laughs> Actually, actually, all the old startups have semi-functional <laughs> products. Yeah, I mean, I it and was one of those startups, things like, where have like Dreamer as a as salespeople, you know. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> that, that was pretty much it. <laughs> I think that's how we got into tech stars. Um, because I think during the time that we were there, uh, there were a few, again, a few different, uh, not major pivots, but a few different monumental moments that happened during our time at tech stars, which kind of what defined us going forward. Uh, but early on, as with many other startups, we have dreamer ideas. We have big goals of tackling a multi-trillion dollar industry with nothing to show for it yet, <laughs> except, uh, determination, confidence, and smiles, and smiles, <laughs> and many, many, many long nights. <laughs> so that kind of sums up the 2017 journey. <laughs> And like at this point, you could uh, you could uh, get some money from the business or not yet? Well, actually, so we had we were super lucky. We had pre-seed funding from uh, somebody that my co-founder knew fairly early on. Which without that, that would have changed everything. We definitely wouldn't have made it. We got lucky by having that, which granted us a lot more ability in terms of hiring people. Now we could actually afford to hire somebody. Now we could actually afford mm. to have tiny tiny salaries for ourselves. Um, so with that money, we brought on, uh, somebody that was responsible for building up the supplier side of our application. My, my engineering team of two went to an engineering team of three. Uh, we were still, we weren't being super spendy with the money that we had just because we know that it's a long game, but you need to balance that with taking too long, uh, letting competitors step in and kind of crush you, which was always a huge problem for us early on. Uh, but do you think like... For me, it's like very important question because I had a, a guest. His mm. name is Chris Joyce, and he's working on a very smart product. It's Gusher, mm. G U S H H E R, and uh, he's like really against um, those funding idea. Do you think? Do you think it's really um, interesting to go through this or like? VC funding? Yeah. Yeah, that's a hot topic. So the thing about VC funding, I can understand that there's two sides to it. Uh, there are, it's very divided. There's the solopreneur indie hacker community that is really against VC funding. Uh, they want to retain the entire control of their company. Seems like VC money is evil uh, and that you're going to sell your soul. 
but then there's also kind of the standard startup path, which is frankly the most publicized because we have companies like Y Combinator and Techstars that support these companies. And when you're starting off, the idea of being able to accelerate growth is super tempting. Uh, if you have, like in our position, if you don't really have a whole lot of money and you don't really have a whole lot of success, being able to join an accelerator like Y Combinator, uh, Techstars, or even a VC coming and saying, hey, we'll give you money to grow your company. It's really hard to mentally say no to that because fundamentally yes. the thing that you're living for is building the company. It's and not you about, need help, uh, actually. Something and you need help, yes. <laughs> when you're in a startup, pretty much at every corner, you need all the help you can get. So when a VC comes along and says, hey, we'll buy 20% of your company for a big chunk of money, you're like, wow, this is a good idea to actually get paid and be able to grow the company at the same time. <laughs> actually, I want to say, I, I want to sell the 100%. <laughs> Do you want to take it? <laughs> that sometimes comes if you're lucky. <laughs> my uh, my uh, last guest uh, was um, John Heinstock, and he's helping people to sell their businesses. Actually, he's a very interesting uh, person. Mm. I really enjoy talking to him, and we... Uh, we went really through this uh, experience of selling business. Why can we do it and how can we do it? Mm. I invite uh, all my uh, uh, auditions to go and uh, listen to this, um, this episode, which is very interesting. Mm. And I guess now, like going back to you, you accepted to to go we, we went <laughs> through to this VC, ex VC experience, <laughs> uh, VC, VC funding experience. We did, yeah. I mean, so I'm, I wouldn't say I'm on the fence. I'm, I don't really have a huge opinion on one way whether VCs are fantastic for you or if they're bad for you, because it really depends on the situation. Uh, I think the mentality within the, within part of the startup community is that all VCs are evil and they're going to try and take control of your company. It's not true. You can find VCs that either work with you, actually uh, give you the control to do whatever you want to. You, you still retain uh, the creative freedom that you want to have. I think that probably changes once you start getting into the hundreds of millions of dollars, but we're a ways away from there. You don't need to worry about that. Uh, but but there... actually, it's it's very logic because like they are giving mm. their money. Yeah. Why, why they mean... give you money if if like you will do whatever you want? They have to to decide uh, on things. I mean, once you get uh, well, see, then you start getting into the whole uh, idea of why do they invest? Do they invest in the business or do they invest in the founders? And we got lucky because we had people that invested in the founders, not in the business, because our business wasn't really doing that good at that point in time. They believe that of whatever it is that we did would work. It's just fortunate enough that the thing that wasn't really working, we ended up making it work. Uh, but even as you progress, you... If you do go the VC route, you obviously want to find people that are nice and pleasant to work with. You wouldn't hire somebody onto your team that is good for the business, but you hate working with them. It's the same sort of same sort of deal when looking for a VC or when working with VCs. Um, but the whole idea that they will come and try and take over your business is definitely exaggerated. Uh, I'm sure it happens. Uh, no, I know it happens. Uh, but again, that really depends on the situation. I actually had uh, an experience. I was working for a startup, and uh, it was a uh, like bought from like big, huge company in France. And while I was working in this company, we felt all of us that the spirit of this com this company changed. It was like very cool. We were enjoying how like things were happening. We had a lot of problems, but like we were really enjoying like the we felt before this. Uh, the VC came that like we 
were at home and we were working to mm. help this company let's just grow and i was not the founder i was, was just participating in this project from uh, like a project manager spot uh, sometimes like we we can feel it and i think it's not very pleasant when we can feel it it's not about see it we can't like we can mm. it, it was like we f we felt that it's not the same place we have to go yeah and a lot of people just went out from this experience because like it was kind of it's not our place anymore we have yeah. to let them like just bring their people and th this is what what happened everyone's like just went away that and is then, a yeah that is one of those situations where somebody does actually, it come was, it's, it's, very, it's very it's very weird actually when it's happened because like it's like someone he's like I just felt that someone came to my house and just sleep in my <laughs> <laughs> yeah. my room. No, yeah. no, yeah. no, you can't do that. <laughs> it's my place, but in fact, it's not your place anymore because you sell it. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Is, yeah, because you sell it. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, it is. It is good for the company, but sometimes it's not pleasing to the employees and to the people who are like very old in that place. I will go back like like to 2019. What happened with the maybe not what happened because we all know what happened in 2019 with the the COVID crisis. The COVID crisis. How did you manage this this moment? This very weird moment actually in our life. During that time, like when COVID really first started kicking in, uh, we primarily had built our company as being remote first most of the people on our team were remote. Uh, so when the whole transition happened to working from home, that was kind of just a walk in the park for us, which made things significantly easier uh, because most of my my entire team was already remote, so nothing changed for me. Uh, the COVID was a very bad thing that happened, uh, but it impacted the world in a very interesting way. It kind of accelerated a lot of, it accelerated a lot of different industries and kind of ruined a few other ones. E-commerce was one of the ones that seemed to get a kickstart, our business in particular, because as you can imagine, more people are stuck at home, more people want to buy stuff, more people want to sell stuff and make money. We kind of, well, we didn't really touch on the home thing, but we touched on the fact that people want to buy stuff and people want to sell stuff and make money. During COVID, we did quite well. As you can imagine, there was uh, a, a, a general, well, I think it's, it's generally understood that e-commerce kind of took off just because of the nature of how everything was going. So I wouldn't say that COVID necessarily impacted our business negatively in that sense. Uh, from the team perspective, things got a little a little bit unusual for other parts of the team. Even though my team was fully remote from the beginning, uh, we had a lot of other people in other departments, which we would see on a regular basis beforehand, but then we had to shut down the office because we couldn't come into the office. And I know that there was a whole lot of, I guess you could say like emotional emotional struggles that everybody was going through in our company and a lot of people were going through outside just in general uh, in life that wasn't we didn't have anything particularly different to us in that regard and i felt like how our company was structured actually lent itself to being easier to manage uh if that makes any sense not really <laughs> <laughs> but it's okay <laughs> all right i prefer to let you just talk and to tell your story i think people would feed it and would while listening hmm. i mean it's uh hmm. where should i put this covid was ah oh, it's gonna sound bad to say this but covid was fundamentally 
uh, one of the critical moments in our business where that helped us go from this level to the next level. We did grow our team substantially during that time, uh, just to keep up with the demand of everything. Uh, we built out a lot of different functionality. We increased our reach through different partnerships and things like that. We started to get a lot more attention, which made us have to go from you know small homegrown startup to being a lot more serious. I think I I know that's like uh, college principal is very complicated. A lot of people, a lot of people lost their lives. Uh, yeah member families and whatever but like you also help people maybe to start their businesses yeah it's a it's a bittersweet sort of feeling because given the whole circumstances of the world you can't you can't say it's a good thing but we're trying to help people and we're trying to give people the opportunity to be able to do good things um which that was kind of what helped us get by actually one of the big things that had driven me through a lot of what we did uh was the fact that because I had an entrepreneurial past, because I'd been somewhat familiarized with e-commerce from the seller side of things, I always felt good about the fact that we were trying to give people an opportunity. That's kind of a theme for much of my life is that I'm trying to give people the opportunities they can in order to succeed. Whether you want to take it or not, that's totally up to you. And I totally understand if now is not the right time. I totally understand if you don't have the right resources to be able to do that. And there were a lot of customers within uh within spocket that we did help try and guide of course one of the biggest things that we had was our customer success team being able to guide people towards making either picking the right products and helping them build their store but those kinds of things were always uh the, the fundamental underlying values that really kept me going they really drove me that's what really kept me engaged in the company because it's not just hey we're a company we're making money it's Hey, we're a company we're making money, yeah, but we're able to help people in the process. But I, I have like a small question: How can you today manage this company? Are you still like working on it, or like you just uh, you just let 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 this company, this startup, like just have different experience, life experience as well? Pretty much. So in twenty twenty two, early twenty twenty two, there was some. Family situations, some personal situations that were starting to bubble up that I couldn't tell how serious they were going to get and how fast they were going to get serious. Uh, at that point in time, I mean, much of my job being the, the head of the engineering team is to try and, frankly, make myself redundant as much as I could. I knew that there would be a point in time, even starting off five, six years ago, I knew that there would be a certain point in time where it would be the right time for me to leave. Um, and in 2022, I felt like the... The company had uh, gone to the point where things were fairly stable. Uh, I built my team to the point where they're uh, fully sustainable uh, without as much interaction as me as I had been in the past. The situation calmed down and everything seemed like uh, a smooth enough move that if I left, there wouldn't be big issues. But then, like I said, personal situations came up and it, everything kind of, once again, coincided at the right time where it was comfortable enough that I could slowly back away. I spent a couple of months building out the whole offboarding process for me and making sure that everything that I would normally do was fully taken care of by everybody else on the team. Uh, and it was a long process. And there was a lot of uncovering of stuff in my head that took quite some time to dig out. But it was also a good process, good for the company from the perspective of everything that I had built up in my head over five years was documented, uh, put down. It wasn't already documented. It was in one place where everybody can access 
Uh, and over the course of those couple months afterwards, I'd provide whatever help I could. Uh, it was actually at that time that we went to France uh, and then I was doing things remotely. Time zones were a little bit of an issue, but I made, made do however I could. Uh, helped on my team wherever, I, wherever they needed me. And then it just slowly tapered off and tapered off. And uh, yeah, that was kind of it. It's actually very, very interesting. Just, um, but I have like a very weird question. This is actually the first time. It's for the first time I ask a question. Do, do, do you have like a, are you, um, can we say believer? Do you, do you believe in a coincidence? Maybe like destiny or something like that? Mm, I'm not sure, but I believe I'm a very firm believer in the concept of opportunity, not from the sense of luck, but from the sense of preparation. So being ready for the right moments at the right times and being able to, to jump on. But you know on. why I asked this question? Because like mm. um, in your in your answer, I felt a lot of acceptance, and uh, it's very complicated, actually, very hard. It's not easy actually to accept the changes in very calm way. Mm. And it's something like we can have if we have faith. Mm. Sometimes I'm it's not your case, but like. It's it's actually it's very interesting and um, I think it's very very good quality. I hope we will have someday. I hope. Let's <laughs> pray. <laughs> <laughs> but talking about opportunity, there is a lot of people today that uh, try to get this first opportunity. There is actually I feel that uh, I know, not feeling we are in a very good period of the history because we have the access to information. People today can just listen to us, they can learn from you, they can learn maybe from me if they, I don't know, if I can teach them something. We can go like and read, there is a lot of tutorials, books, whatever. Mm. And we can have all the information in like three seconds. Mm. But sometimes we need like kind of person-to-person learning. Mm. My question is, if today you have someone who is asking you, he have, he has, he have, I don't know. I never know how to ask. I can't know. <laughs> My brain refuses to, to know this. <laughs> it's okay. I accept it. <laughs> you have like a 2000 euro and he wants to, or she, he wants to uh, start doing some e-commerce. Mm. How can you advise him or her or they. It's such a cheap cop out. You probably won't like this answer. R- regardless of the money, it really depends on the person behind the money. Would that person want to kind of just, you know, put money in and get money out? Would they want to be involved in whatever they're doing? Would they want to work for their money? Or would they want it to be... Let's suppose that this person wants to work. You could go pretty far with $2,000. Maybe not at 2,000 euros. Maybe not necessarily from your own life perspective, but say, for example, if your life is reasonably paid for 2000 euros would probably go into you know if you're specifically going into e-commerce and if you're looking to be on the 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 front end side of things you would be able to get started with a lot less primarily what you would be wanting to do with that is set up a store set up a domain um maybe hire like a content writer or someone to help you build up the content for your website obviously figuring out what niche that you're in and what product you want to sell is going to be one of the most important things, finding your audience, which doesn't exactly cost money, that just takes a lot of time and effort. 
some of that money could be spent more toward even validating your idea, which is a scary thing for people that don't know much about paid ads. So I don't recommend it for anybody that doesn't know any about don't know anything about paid ads. But you could technically build something small, build it for a specific niche, take some of that money, find some products, populate your store, uh, put some money into ads, and try and see if it works. Because with any it's business, not, it's not it's not easy. Actually, you said three things that are very complicated. Finding a niche, yeah, it's like very complicated because you have to be really strong. Yeah. Finding an audience. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say and, 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 and validating your idea. Like, <laughs> only Bill Gates can do those streamers. <laughs> um, that's why, that's, I'm, I'm that's why I said the money doesn't really matter. It really matters about everything underneath. Because the money is just, frankly, the money is just kind of a vehicle to get us from one place to another a little bit faster. If you really wanted to, you could do everything for free. You just got to learn everything. Nobody wants to do that because that takes forever. Uh, but yeah. yeah, it takes time. It, it takes forever. That's the word, actually. It takes forever. Mm. Thank you very much, Tom. I will go. We will go together to my very weird uh, second section, and I just prepare questions with the chat GPT. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't be scared. <laughs> It's gonna be good. <laughs> and you have to uh to to select uh, three numbers from one to 20, please. Do I, do I tell you them? Yeah. Uh, three, 19, and five. Three, let's go to three. The question is, as an entrepreneur, how do you stay motivated during tough times and when facing setbacks? That's a deep question. Uh, yeah. do, you want, do you want me to- Chat GPT is very deep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> deep learning, you know. <laughs> Coming back to your your point, you circling back to a previous topic about acceptance. There's a certain level of acceptance that you need to have with being in a startup because you're going to fail. Uh, nobody wants to hear this, but everybody kind of knows this. It's going to suck, and it's probably going to suck longer than you want it to suck. Uh, throughout my life, I have had many moments of sucky periods, which kind of led me to the point of having, uh, I don't know, I guess a very natural level of acceptance when things start to fall apart and they don't quite work. Uh, mm. That's not really a failure and it's not really a problem. It's just part of the process. So being as an entrepreneur, when you do something, as an entrepreneur, when you do something and it doesn't work, you either figure out why it doesn't work or you do something else. That's just kind of part of the process. It depends. It depends on it depends on you have. <laughs> it depends. That's the thing. Early on, when you're kind of just starting out, it's very easy to be like, oh, crap, I just poured three months into this. Nobody cares about it. Nobody wants to buy it. What do I do now? And kind of get sad about it, which I understand. And I fully appreciate that that's a part of the learning process. But you kind of have to go through that a few different times in order for that not to be a thing. Actually, answer just like bring our question to my mind is like, How do you manage like the friends and family in very bad moment, complicated moment of your startup? Because huh, I, I know, I know, like that's as an entrepreneur, we are respected because you're making money from your your thing, you know. Mm. And but people, I feel that people are nice, but not with everyone every every time. Mm. When you say friends and family, could you give me like an example? Your wife, uh, your your cousins, mm. 
how like uh, if you have just like a very bad period with your startup how can you manage to answer the the <laughs> I have a the, really the, bad the, answer the for questions this. <laughs> in the in the christmas night for example I have a really crappy answer for this that I hope nobody else has to go through during the period of grinding it out and building the startup that we did both me and my co-founder were workaholics so like 16 17 hour days is just normal uh, saturdays don't exist anymore sundays you get a few hours uh so to answer your question there wasn't a whole i don't want to say there wasn't a whole lot of time for other people because there's obviously still enough time for everybody around you but there's one pretty much one singular focus at any given moment and it's the business and how is the business doing and how can the business be better and what do i have to do next week and what do i have to do now and what am i late on those sorts of things occupy your mind admittedly to a unhealthy degree uh occupy your mind pretty much at any given opportunity when you're awake and even when you're not awake to the point where the other aspects in life it's not that they don't matter but the potential negative issues that you have in the other areas of your life are kind of diminished um i started to realize that the the personal small life issues that i had previously didn't really mean anything and they were just kind of insignificant because either i had bigger priorities or i realized how insignificant they were mm -hmm. back when i was younger i used to complain about a lot of things at some point i i still complain about stuff but the level of things that i complain about are significantly different just based on the scale of problems that yeah. i had to face this is a um, this is getting older or like mature like mm. you just it's just stop complaining yeah the the second question is the first two shows what advice no not this one how important is networking in the world of entrepreneurship and what mm. strategies do you use to build and maintain your professional network so during my time working on my startup given the fact that we were very focused on work and focused on building our startup i admittedly did not spend nearly enough time networking and uh, kind of maintaining the professional relationships that i should i look back on that with a bit of regret knowing that they could have come in a lot more handy they could have come in handy at a lot of different times throughout the course of my career but because of the fact that mostly just heads down there are a few different things that we need to focus on we need to do them uh, i kind of let that slack as over the course of the past few months as i've kind of re-emerged within a little build-in public startup community on twitter uh, and i'm trying to kind of find my ground back on ground zero i am putting a lot more effort into networking with people uh to understanding what's going on in the startup space other people's space the problems that they're facing uh mostly just from the fact that i feel like i've been uh to some degree isolated within this this startup that we were working on uh and not having a whole lot of sight on everything that's going on outside how exactly to do that i don't want to sound like an advertisement but on twitter we have this little build in public community where everybody is fairly supportive and everybody has uh constructive criticisms to share uh a lot of motivation and uh a lot of positive ideas just floating around i've only become a part of this community within the past few months but everybody seems super sweet and super nice uh, I, re I really really like this community but i don't have any time to be active <laughs> on like for yeah, months and enough. half now and i really miss 
then I miss you guys. <laughs> Sorry, I miss you really deeply. They're super sweet. It's like everybody yeah. is everybody's on the same mission. Everybody's trying to make something work. And yeah, people really try to help. And yeah. this is like surprising thing. They're yeah. trying to make connections and to help you to do things. And that's cool, actually. I'll go to the 19th. Wait, hold on. I want to add one thing. If I had to say, okay, like, how do, you, how do you grow your network? One of the biggest things that I had to overcome is my own personal preconceptions of myself or thinking that people don't, either don't want to hear what I say or I'm too self-conscious about the things that I say and just going out there and saying them. This probably doesn't apply to extroverts, but I think there are probably a lot of introverts out there that are facing the feeling of, oh, I don't want to network with people because it feels awkward. or I don't know what to say on Twitter. What do I tweet? Let's just put it out there. Everybody will like it. But actually, when I talked to you, I just felt you are very open to to, to network. Uh, I felt it, actually. I would say that's a recent change in me. <laughs> I am, okay. I am fundamentally an introverted person, even if it doesn't come off that way sometimes. Actually, I, this is really surprising because we can't at all feel it. That's somewhat surprising to me. <laughs> and I will like surprise you. I am also a very introverted person. Which also comes off as somewhat surprising. Yeah, it's very, it's, it's life sometimes where just something we're not. You just do the things that make you uncomfortable and then... Very, very deep, very deep uh, <laughs> talk. Hey, if you want to be something that you're not, just do it and something will happen, hopefully. Actually, actually, this is what I'm, try I'm trying. Actually, I'm, for the moment, I'm a lot into climbing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went there just because I'm... Um, it was very afraid from falling, and now I'm I'm every single day falling <laughs> from three meters, you know, <laughs> and it's good. I feel I really feel great. I really like this. I guess it's I, like um, they call that exposure therapy, where you're scared of something and you just kind of force yourself yeah, into the situation. Exactly. You, you, I will you, know it, and we will see what's gonna happen. Yeah, you're not gonna die. We will see. We will see. Yeah. Anyway, we will see. The the the, the third question is very interesting. But I think you are very open to it. Mm. As an entrepreneur, how do you stay open to feedback and continuously improve your business? Do you want me to speak from the startup side or kind of where I am right now? So they're two very different. You can just tell people what do you think about that. Uh, okay, so generally speaking, as with many things in life, being being humble and not being kind of uh, way too deep into your own stuff is a very important uh, personality trait to have. Being able to take feedback, even sometimes if it's very destructive, is still a positive trait to be able to have because it, there's often some truth in it. Uh, hopefully the people around you will give you constructive feedback, uh, but the worst part is if, or the worst situation is if you have your product and you show it to the world and the people that want to buy your product give you feedback and you say, ah, I don't. I don't think that's good. I'm I'm gonna put that down the down the on the back burner because I think I think what I'm doing is more important than uh, what my customers want. Which I've had that mentality back in the past, uh, and it's it's super non-productive. There's a certain point in an entrepreneur, or at least a, a product creator's life, where they realize or learn that the user's opinion is literally everything. Because it doesn't matter if you have millions of dollars, you are the smartest person ever, and you can build anything. If you don't have customers that want it, you're dead. Uh, so listening to your customers is, over the course of time, 
building that sort of humility where you say, okay, I have a different idea, but I'm going to go with yours because you're the one that paid me. That's kind of where the whole feedback, uh, acceptance of feedback comes from. I'm for the moment reading a book. I think it's name. I'm not really good at book's name. The, 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 in, the ego is the enemy. Ah, Ryan Holiday. I I don't know. It it is it, the the name is correct. Yeah, the ego is yeah, the enemy. Yeah. I'm proud of me. <laughs> <laughs> and I really actually it it makes me think a lot. I think it's like uh, I'm like quick reader, but this is one of the books I'm really reading slowly because it's make me really go deep in in thinking about how I act and how people act around mm. me and how should I really manage some different some situation. Mm. Thank I will say that my... um, so Brian Holiday, who wrote that book, I've probably read a total of like a dozen books in my entire life because for some reason I have no attention span. But Ryan Holiday has, I think, three, he has more than three books, but he has uh, The Ego is the Enemy, The Obstacle is the Way, and then I think it was called like a Daily Stoic or something like that. <laughs> Out of the 12 books I've read in my life, I've read those three yeah. as well. And those kind I, of I read of the second one, The, the Obstacle is the Way. Obstacle, yeah. Actually, yeah, I I listened to them on uh, Audible, mm. and it's very good. Actually, I really like. I yeah, really yeah. enjoy this walking experience while listening mm. to the books. Mm. I advise everyone to really just have this night walk and uh, in a safe place and uh, to listen book <laughs> to books. I <laughs> safe place, please safe yeah, place. <laughs> the most important thing. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to <laughs> have bad <laughs> influence on you. Um, my last section is uh, one I really enjoy. It's uh, like kind of small game. It's not a game, but it, I feel it is a game. And it's quick questions. I will ask you like ten questions, and you have to answer quickly. Okay. Are so don't ready? go. So don't go super deep. <laughs> right. Are you... I'm sorry. Don't go super deep. <laughs> don't, no, don't spend no. like five minutes on a question. Okay. <laughs> I will try. <laughs> you can go deep if you feel it. It's okay. I think <laughs> right. you can. It's okay. Let's start. Are you ready? Am I, am I ready? Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Coffee or tea? Neither. They both give me headaches. <laughs> am I off to a bad start? <laughs> fiction or non-fiction? <laughs> I told you I don't read books. <laughs> Mountains or beaches? Ooh. Uh, what about forest? <laughs> dogs or cats? cats? You can choose now. Yeah, cats. cats, okay. Cats, I, I don't go for dogs. I like dogs. <laughs> early bird or night owl? Oh, good question. Night I've owl. been both. Uh, right now I'm an early bird, but it used to be a night owl. So both? I prefer, I, I really like like mornings. Mm, I can see why. I'm starting to understand why. I really like mornings. I mm. feel like it's like... Uh, it's really deep, actually. I I like like it's both. I feel it. I don't I don't have to explain, but I feel it's new thing. It's, we have new chances, new opportunities. Have I you like ever it. been Have you ever been awake at like one in the morning and you're like super focused on what you're doing and you're like yes. I'm just gonna keep going, going, going. Actually, I only I focus only like when it's quiet. Mm. It could be late at night or very, but during the day I have a lot of issues with the groups. Yeah, makes sense. Comedy club or concert? Ooh, probably a concert, I think. 
I like loud and chaotic. City skyline or natural landscape? City skyline. Home-cooked meals on dining out? Depends where we're going. <laughs> <laughs> Depends what we have in the fridge, too. Okay. Uh, summer or winter? Winter, because you can always put on more clothes, but you can only take off so many clothes when it's But like European hot. winter or like winter in Canada? It depends what you think about Canadian winters, because everybody thinks we live in igloos. This is what I think, actually. Oh, uh, yeah, no, I think, the, I think the winters are worse over here. Uh, really? So I'm looking, I'm looking forward to uh, Christmas in Germany, no. seeing how that is. No, it's, no, it cannot be, it cannot be harder in Europe. It only snowed like, um, no, 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 colder in Europe. I'm surprised. It only snowed for a few days last, uh, last year in, in Canada. I mean, in Vancouver, not the rest of Canada. I can only speak for a tiny part of it. I'm surprised. My last question, home workout or gym session? Yeah, gym, 100%. I suck at home workouts. They're not as fun. Really? They're not as interesting, yeah. I really like it, actually. It's actually ironic, and I, I've thought about this periodically through my life because I've gone to the gym for a long time. I like to go to the gym where there's tons of people so I can work out just by myself. I, I can't do it at home. It doesn't work. But I want to go to the gym in the public with a lot of people so I can ignore all of them <laughs> and be in my own space. I'm here to ignore you guys. <laughs> Don't talk to me. <laughs> I'm, I'm not here to, to socialize. <laughs> I, I really don't understand it, but I'm just like, okay, sure. No, I really, I, I like yoga at home. Mm. I really like it. I enjoy it. Thank you very much, Tom. Our episode is uh, finished. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. I really enjoy talking to you and I'm sure that people will enjoy listening to our or watching our episode. Thank you. Deeply, Thank deep you well. thanks. I appreciate you giving me the opportunity. Come here and no, speak. You are welcome. You are very welcome. My last question. Yes. And, uh, I need a name to invite. Who is the next guest? Does that have to be somebody that I know? Yes. But I can't make an intro. <laughs> My girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So like, um, uh, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar enough. I'm not sure. I suspect you may be familiar enough with our Build in Public space on Twitter. There's our fellow KP who seems to be kind of leading the pack. I would be really interested to see you interview him. But to be perfectly honest, I don't know him. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm not we sure. Will send, we will share this, uh, this video with him. And okay, let's do that. I, I don't know him, but we will, we will, we will try to get him on here. That would be super yeah. cool. Yeah, I hope. You just shared his Twitter link with me, and I will do all my best to, to, to bring him um, on the pitch. All right, sounds good. Thank you, and uh, ciao, ciao. Thank you. Thank you. Ciao, ciao.